The views and opinions expressed on the Middle Class VO podcast are solely those of the hosts and guests. Any feelings hurt therein are an unfortunate byproduct of the quest for infotainment. Also, please be reminded that concerted efforts have been made so as not to put anyone's knickers in a twist. Having one's knickers in a twist is not an objective or goal. However, if your knickers are in a twist and it persists for more than four hours, please seek out a physician. Moreover, if anyone were to feel besmirched by any of the commentary on the Middle Class VO podcast, it would be purely coincidental. No besmirchment is intended. Please enjoy. Very excited, Bobby. We have a great guest on, and it is our first casting director. Mm-hmm. And who doesn't want to know what goes on in the casting uh, part of the, uh, the this business, right? Absolutely. We're all curious about what happens once we submit those auditions, and we're going to find out what happens when we do submit those auditions. Mary Lynn Wisner is joining us next. If you need e-learning, we're just an email away. Corporate now. Tell us what to say Explain our video Imaging radio Slinging local cars Reading IVR No, we ain't no stars This is the Middle Class VO Podcast The Middle Class VO Podcast The Middle Class VO Podcast So excited to have the owner of Voices Voice Casting, one of the founders of the VO Roadshow. She has over 25 years experience in casting and coaching. Mary Lynn Wisner, welcome to the Middle Class VO Podcast. We're not worthy. (laughs) Oh my gosh, I'm not. Are you kidding? Mary Lynn, we're so excited to have you on. Thank you. I, w- I want to get started by, um, of course, you are a, uh, you're a casting director, you cast voices all the time, and you're a voiceover coach. You do that as well. Let's go back to the beginning, though. Mm-hmm. How did you first dip your toe into this whole industry? Oh, my gosh. Um, well, I, let's see, briefly, trying to be, um, I grew up here in L.A. Uh, my father was a TV producer, so I grew up around the industry, and then when I was in um high school, I was started acting and then I started doing a lot of uh, TV commercials on into college and mostly for the money. Um, and <laughs> of course, it was just really, really fun. Um, but I didn't really want to be an actress. I, I loved it, but I kind of wanted something a little more steady. And so when I graduated college, um, I couldn't get a job. My degree was in broadcast journalism. And um, I saw an ad in the Hollywood Reporter for an assistant agent. And I didn't know it at the time, but it was with Don Pitts, um, who sort of founded the whole business of voiceover agenting. Um, And uh, so I, yeah, applied for the job and I got it. And he was just a wonderful, wonderful mentor. And his clients were, you know, the who's who of voiceover at the time, Casey Kasem, Orson Welles, uh, Gary Owens, June Foray, you name it, the young Bob. Oh my gosh. Wow. Incredible. And and Don was just one of those people that said, um, yeah, just go go in the booth and direct Orson on this spot. I'm like, what? What? <laughs> what? <laughs> I was this, you know, 22 year old kid just kind of winging it. And but I I had, you know, I think because I had such a, a, a pretty decent on camera acting background. Um, I was very comfortable with it. And I, I loved actors. I really just loved it and had a great time. And then um, he left, uh, Don left after a few, I, I, don't, I think almost a year, and the owner of the agency asked me to stay on and take over the voiceover department, which I, I had to rebuild because, of course, all Don's clients went with him. 
And I did that. So I did that for about another two years. And I just, I didn't love agenting necessarily at that time. And again, this was all pre-internet and all that. Um, And I got offered a job at the voice caster in Burbank to be a casting director. And at that time, that was the only casting facility in the country. I mean, you didn't have online, you didn't have anything but the voice caster. So nonstop, all day long, 24-7, we were casting. I mean, there was about four or five of us casting girls, and we'd be in a booth all day, and I, I could be casting commercials, animation, narrations, all in one day, you know, um, and it was just nonstop. It was so much fun and it was so creative. Um, and I just fell in love with it. And, um, but after about two years there, I, I was sort of like, well, I could do this on my own. And, um, with a little loan from my parents, I started voices, voice casting and, uh, have been doing that ever since. And, you know, the, the, since then 30 years ago, yeah, I've been, I've cast um, thousands and thousands of radio and TV commercials and video games and animation series and features and ADR and whoever needed a voice. Um, And then I started teaching about 25 years ago, and I just love it. I absolutely love it. And you're still a talent, too, right? I mean, do you? Yeah, so and I I got back into kind of the acting side of it years ago um, because producers would say, oh, I like your voice, too. Make sure you read on that. but I, this is when I was working at the voicecaster. So um, I, I don't ever put myself on things that I cast because I feel like that's a little awkward and weird. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so I, I have an agent here and I just, yeah, I do it too. So I'm kind of back in the fray with that and, and just loving it. I mean, I'm sort of consider voiceover world my, my third child. And it's just, I have two human daughters. Um <laughs> <laughs> Have they? Did they follow you in the business? They they are in the business, aren't they? Kind of. They sort of did. Um, my older daughter, she she acted, and my ex husband is an on camera commercial casting director, so it's just totally in our family. Yeah. And she started doing commercials when she was five because she just had to get in there, and did very <laughs> very well. And then when she graduated college, she also didn't really want to be an actor. Now she works at CBS in casting. And then my youngest daughter graduated college this year, and she just started also at CBS completely coincidentally. And so she wants to get into set design and decorating. So, you know, it's all in our family. It's just in our blood, and uh, it's kind of fun. Yeah, they grew up around, you know, seeing both sides, the on-camera world and the voiceover world. And um, so they're very comfortable around actors as well and just the creative side. And like I said, my family was in the business, so it's just who we are. Very cool. Mary Lynn, we want to get into the uh, nitty gritty of the casting side of things. Sure. Um, we have mostly voice actors that listen to the podcast and they're going to want to know when they send that audition in and you get it. Tell us step by step kind of what happens, your reactions and your all the things that go on. Wow, that's a Loaded question. Um, (laughs) Well, if it's a casting that I've done, um, likely I will have gotten it through their agent. Or if they're students of mine, I send copy out to students a lot of times just because they're probably really good for something and don't have an agent or whatever. It's not their fault. Um, So when I get all these auditions back for a particular, say it's a commercial, um, on the first pass, I'm only listening to the first line because there's no way I'm going to sit there and listen to 80 auditions all the way through. And and I, after just all these years of casting, 
I can tell from their first line or two, did they fit the specs? Did they interpret the copyright, the direction, the casting specs? Do they sound interesting? Is there something that's drawing me into their read? And then I narrow that down to like, I take probably about cut that in half. And then I'll go back and listen to those, you know, that other half's the whole audition. And then usually my clients, because um, I work with major advertising agencies and, and some, you know, smaller production companies. But the the reason most of them hire a casting director as opposed to, say, an online thing is they don't want to do listen to sit there and listen to 100 auditions. They want me to send them the 10 or 20 best. And that's it. So I kind of get a, you know all the, the messy stuff out of the way and give them the 10 or 20 best. Um, so what pops out to me is, yeah, how did they pull me in in that first line? You know, what did they do? Is, is it, it's not only the sound of their voice, but is there some, something that's making me feel like they're talking to me and I'm, I'm drawn into their delivery and, the, and just the way they're talking and the way that they're not reading, but they're, they're approaching me. Does that make sense? Uh, oh, yeah. 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 So that's what I'm listening for. And I think just because I've done this for so long, um, in a way, I, you know, I'm sort of jaded and, and, you know, I've heard everything. So, you know, surprise me, make me, if you can intrigue me and a kind of a bored, jaded uh, ad, ad, ad uh, agency executive, then, then you're going to, you know, likely be cast on the spot. So are there any, um, I know the conversational read has been hot for a while now. Are there any other trends that you see on the horizon or things that are kind of coming back um, that are standing out in the auditions that you get or what the, more importantly, what the the producers or directors are looking for? Um, you know, the, that real person, yeah, is still super in. But I have noticed, especially this year, it's even more thrown away, you know, um, last year and the year before and, you know, up to maybe 10 years ago, everything was real person, but it still had to be a little bit bright. It still had to be a little bit more conversational and not necessarily upbeat and, and, you know, kind of on, but, but a little bit more, you know, chatty, I would say. Um, this year I've noticed a lot more of my clients asking actors to be more downplayed, more, you know, throwing it away, more cavalier, more, more casual. Um, it's not, you know, remember uh, last year, two years, it, it, everything was that millennial read. They're not asking mm-hmm. that. I'm not getting that anymore, but it's on the verge of that. It's just um, not as distracted sounding. It's a, it's just a little bit more intimate, if, if that makes sense. Um, it's, it's, uh, it's just sort of thoughtful, reflective kind of uh, real person. Okay. Marilyn, what's the, um, give, I, Bobby and I know what ah next means. Can you please explain from the casting director's perspective what ah next is and what is the quickest way for a voice actor to be treated with the ah next treatment? In my mind, when I say that, um, it's because most of the time, and I don't mean it to sound, you know, cavalier or, or, or you know, disrespectful. It's just that the read, the voice is nothing standing out to me. It's nothing special in the delivery. Again, and I always tell actors this, the reason you're on that call is because you fit the specs. But you have to remember that the other 70, 80 actors that are on that call also fit the specs. So you're all pretty much going to sound the same. 
you're all going to have the pretty much the same sound demographic, you know, due to your age and just kind of, you know, you fit those specs. So if you don't do something special, that's what I was saying about in your first line, and you just read that first line kind of in a nice reading voice, I promise you about three quarters of the other people on that audition call are going to do it exactly the same. Yeah. So that's why when I hear that, again, it's no disrespect to the person's voice or their abilities or anything like that. It's just next. It didn't impress me. It didn't stand out. So that's why I just, you know, I kind of think I need to make a motto first line, make that stand out, you know, um, because if that doesn't catch me, then yeah, you get the uh, next. Perfect. So then does a slate throw you off or do you prefer? That is a great question too, because that's the big dilemma right now. Do we slate or not slate? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm one of those people where I'm kind of really digging this no slating thing. Um, sometimes I get, in, you know, most of the time, actually, when I'm listening back to auditions, I'm in this zone. So I'm kind of, everything's quiet in the office. My, you know, my ears are closed and I'm listening and then I'm just punching those MP3s and a slate, somebody's slate sometimes can throw me off. And it, it's either what throws me off is that they just say their name so fast and I get, you know, a little bit thrown off my zone there. <clears throat> Excuse me. Or they mumble their speech or, you know, their name is just so long and whatever. So it kind of takes me out of the zone. And then I sort of miss the first few words of their first line. Um, so the slate can can be a make or break, too, I think. So I'm kind of a fan of this not slating. Um, you don't need to, your, your name is on the MP3 file or definitely sure. should be. And, um, you know, it's, it's, it, you know, obviously some agents are very particular about that and want you to slate or whatever. And you have to, you have to defer to your agent, but, um, it, it's, uh, it, it can be distracting and it can also just be, you know, nothing. So. So let's, let's talk a little bit about your, uh, your coaching background. I, I feel when I'm looking for a coach or, or that first time I'm working with a coach, I have to feel really comfortable. And that's one thing, Mary Lynn, Mary Lynn, that you just, you're the tops at. I mean, if you're making me feel good about being there and I'm not being, you know, I'm going to get the criticism, but I'm still going to be made to feel like, I don't want to say worthy, but, you know, I, I just want to feel comfortable with you to begin with. And I think you're excellent out there about that. But what else, how is your style different from other coaches? Um, well, what I, you know, what I've noticed is, there, there, you know, there's a, a good couple handfuls of coaches out there that are sort of in the top tier of coaches, if you will. And we all kind of have our Thing, you know, our, I don't, I don't want to say gimmick, but sort of our thing. You know, mine has always been, I coach from the casting perspective. What I know books, I, I sort of call it cut to the chase. This is what you need to do, to, do, to know. These are the popular directions that all advertising for radio and TV come from. If you know how to do these five directions, you will be golden. And then we work on what it takes for you to jump into each one of those directions. Because everybody, every single talent 
is going to have a little bit of a different MO, you know? So, so my um, goal with each talent when I'm coaching them is to sort of, um, and, and you might remember, you know, when we work together, I say it's kind of like creating a recipe or a formula so that, uh-huh. you know, from now on when Bobby sees the real person, she knows, okay, I need to do A, B, and C or whatever it is. So everybody can kind of create their own, um, you know, pattern or rhythm or formula for each particular direction. Other coaches, you know, come from different backgrounds, you know, whether they were an actor themselves and an agent or whatever, an engineer. So they all kind of bring something different. Um, I don't believe in, in tearing somebody down to build them up. I just don't, I, to me, that's just sort of what, what's the, what good is that going to do? It's more of a, that doesn't make sense to me. Um, I'm more about like, let's collaborate and work together to make you the best you can be. And um, sometimes it doesn't work. I mean, I have had times where, you know, I've had to tell some talent, you, you need to go back to acting 101 or, you know, that bank job sounds pretty good. <laughs> Truth hurts, baby. It does. And I, I don't, you know, never do I want to be the person to crush somebody's dreams. And like I said, that's rarely ever been the case where I've had to say that. But, you know, I'd, I'd rather be much, you know, very honest with somebody than lead them along because my name goes out there with you too. So yeah. um, I think that's what sort of separates me, you know, makes me a little different than other coaches. Again, it's my, my background, my expertise, which is definitely casting. And coming from an acting side too, um, and what I know books because I just know certain things as a casting director always stand out not to me not only to me but to the ad agency producers and such. So that's what I teach. Tell us more. And Mary Lynn, you have teamed up with uh, other top tier voice acting coaches to form the VO Road Show, where you travel mm-hmm. around city to city and uh, put on all day workshops. Can you uh, expound on that a little bit? Yeah, this was this is just uh, so much fun. Um, I, I came up actually with the idea several years ago when the Antiques Roadshow was, you know, so popular on TV. And, <laughs> and I'm like, ooh, the VO Roadshow, that would be cool. And it kind of just, I locked in the back of my brain. And then, um, you know, the past couple of years, I just started to see sort of an onslaught of these coaching opportunities or workshop opportunities um, around. And my fellow coaches who are good friends of mine, Tom Pinto and and Jeff Howell, one day we were all just sort of talking about it and we thought, wow, there's some, some charlatans out there, you know, and we, we, we feel, you know, so protective of talent and, um, and very, you know, obviously very uh, um, proud of what we do in our coaching and our reputations and how can we sort of elevate this coaching uh, um, opportunity for people out there. Because a lot of times, like I host a thing out here in in my office called the VO Pros where we have workshops every week and so on and, and guests, casting directors and producers and so on come in. And actors across the country have always said to me, I wish I could be in LA to do that. So we yeah. We're talking and we said, let's do our own thing. It's just, we'll come to cities and, you know, no more than, you know, 12, uh, 10 to 15 talent. And we'll have two or three coaches and we'll break it up in sort of a round robin sort of day. And it's intense, nonstop workout, you know, with lunch included. And so it was more about like, let's bring what we do the best of. I'm best at commercials, you know. Pinto is great at narrations and promo and, and, um, 
you know, uh, Scott Parkin is fabulous at improv and Jeff is great at promos and narrations as well. So we all kind of will, will adjust it to the city. And um, that's kind of what we did. And it's gotten an amazing response. We're so excited. Um, last year was our first year and we just put out the new schedule for 2020. Um, so yeah, it's kind of fun and, and it's great for us. And as a casting director, it's really great for me because I get to know people in, in these cities that I might not really get a chance to hear or work with otherwise. So um, it's been wonderful that I've been able to then subsequently reach out and send them castings and, and things like that, too. And you can get a little mini vacation out of it, too. <laughs> yeah, we did. We, you know, it depends on the city. Like sometimes we've come in a little bit earlier. So I because I had never actually you know been to Chicago. Um, so it was great. You know, I had a Je- Jeff and I got there a couple days earlier and you know did a little sightseeing and, um, you know, just just depending on the city. And of course, you know, our time and time and schedule, you know, we'll come in a little bit early. But, um, yeah, it's great. It's really fun. And and again, like I said, every city is a little bit different and the talent's a little bit different. So it's great for me again, as a casting director, to really kind of immerse myself, not only in that city, but the, the talent. And um, I love it. I just absolutely love it. That's Scat Worthy. Mary Lynn, we're going to let you go here in just a second. Before we go, I, w- I was curious about going back to the casting. Can you think of one or one or two of your biggest casting jobs and where you thought, wow, I just cast this? Oh, wow. Oh, my gosh. I mean, you worked um, with Orson Welles already. We know that. <laughs> but I was an, you know, I was an assistant agent then. I, I, you know, um, and then he died shortly thereafter. Oh, what's <laughs> because of my correcting? Um, but uh, gosh, there's so many that I'm super duper proud of. Um, you know, I right off the top of my head, I think, uh, you know, do you remember those Chevron talking cars? Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. Mm-hmm. That I was in on the ground floor of that casting, you know, that was several years ago. And that was exciting because it was such a different sort of advertising thing. And we had to go find super duper real people. And, you know, I went to the mall with, you know, a, a DAT recorder and was recording people like, tell me about your car. And then they would take that and write the copy around it. And um, one thing I'm super proud of, and I always think because um, my dad was a World War II vet, um, I cast, I've done a number of things for History Channel, but one thing I just really loved um, was this series called The Color of War. And it was 13 episodes, and we had to cast about 30 voices per episode, you know, uh, uh, French, German. English, um, British, you know, and they were all sort of from, um, excuse me, they were stories from people's journals and newspaper articles and as well as historic figures that we had to find voice matches for. Um, So it was really, really rewarding. And I, you know, I was so happy my dad got to see it before he passed away. And it was something that meant a lot to me to, to kind of, I don't know, honor him, I guess. Um, and, uh, gosh, I just recently, I, d- I did a spot that's running now that I'm super proud of because the client thought for sure they wanted a male. And I always sometimes will throw in a ringer or two. And I threw in a couple females. This was an alpha Romeo campaign and they oh. cast a female. Nice. So, yeah. And that's, to that's me, cool. that's just casting. You know, you just kind of, you want your, you, you, your client wants you to kind of shake their brains a little bit. And, um, so I, I have a lot of favorites, a lot that mean a lot to me. 
um, in my career, but those are ones that just kind of stand out at this minute now. In a half an hour, it might be different. <laughs> <laughs> are, you, are you coming back to VO Atlanta in the spring? Yes, I will be there. Um, I'm leading the commercial track, and it's one of my most favorite conferences for sure. Um, so we've got um, some great you know, guests coming in for the commercial track, and I'm excited to be there. It's really just a fun event and such a great um, learning opportunity for, for everybody. So you'll be at VO Atlanta in the spring, and you'll be on the road with the VO Roadshow. Lots going on with Mary Lynn Wisner. If you want to check Mary Lynn out in the VO Roadshow, you can go to VoicesVoiceCasting.com. And Mary Lynn, are you uh, taking on new coaching clients? Yes. Um, I do take on new people. I usually only work with uh, working pros because just my time is limited. And um, I feel like if you're a total beginner, you need to start with a workshop type situation. Mm. So sure, I always suggest, you know, reach out to me, um, send me an email, uh, voicesvoicecasting at gmail, and um, we'll talk. That sounds great. Mary Lynn, thank you so much for your time, and thanks for sharing all of your insight on the Middle Class VO podcast. Well, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Thanks, Mary Lynn. Appreciate it. Thank you, guys. I'll talk to you later. Oh, she is amazing, and I do love that she is a talent and a casting person and a coach because she gets it. And I think that's why she's one of my favorite coaches out there. So good to have her on the show. Yeah, she knows all sides of it, all aspects. And she directed Orson Welles. My goodness. I know. <laughs> oh, and by the way, I directed Orson Welles. <laughs> uh, I was an up-and-comer. You know, you know. I was just yeah. getting my feet wet and I was directing Orson Welles. So, you know. <laughs> Mary Lynn is great and uh, as she mentioned if you want to reach out to her it's voicesvoicecasting at gmail.com if you're interested in coaching with Mary Lynn or, and you can just go to voicesvoicecasting.com to check out uh, everything about Mary Lynn Wisner uh, great job today Bobby uh, always fun to have you on the Middle Class VO podcast since you are the co-host <laughs> and remembered <laughs> well thanks Kev <laughs> And remember to uh, subscribe to our podcast, too, whether you check us out on iTunes or Podbean or um, Instagram or any of the other different ways you can get to us. Subscribe to us. It means a lot. Thanks for joining us today. Bye-bye. The Middle Class VO Podcast is a K2 Media Productions production. All views and opinions expressed are those of the hosts and guests. The McVob Jingle was written and produced by Kevin. Co-produced and performed by Chloe Dolandis. Additional engineering by Zach Zimmett. Bobby's Hair and Makeup by Rebecca Adlita. Kevin's Wardrobe by Slippery Pete's Fashion Emporium. All previous episodes are available for download on Podbean. For the Middle Class VO Podcast, I'm Tracy Thibodeau. I'm Lisa Lou Perry. Thanks for listening. And don't miss the next episode of The Middle Class VO Podcast. The Middle Class VO Podcast.